Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm Glenn Mack now, along with Ricky Ricardo, Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Uh, Rick, it's nice when uh, nice people get together for a good project, and two people who we really like. Just did so, and it is hitting the uh, hitting the stores any day now. Let me introduce uh, Eagles great uh, Brian Westbrook, senior, and our pal from television, Leslie Van Arsdale. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Glenn. How are you doing this morning? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, and Ricky and I, uh, I got my copy uh, yesterday, hand delivered by your husband, Leslie. By the way, which was very nice. <laughs> I, think, I think we got his. I got a PDF, and it's fantastic. So oh, good, good, good. The name of this is The Mouse Who Played Football, written by Brian Westbrook Sr. and Leslie Van Arsdale. It's a children's book. Um, I'm thinking about age five to seven, beautifully illustrated. Um, and, Leslie, I'll come to you first. How did this project come together? Well, you know what, Glenn? I'd always wanted to write kids' books after reading them for so many years. I have two boys who, at the time, they're six and eight, love football more than anything, not the biggest in their class. And just so I kind of had the mouse who played football in mind, showed what I'd done to my husband, and he's like, you know who this is? He said, this is Brian Westbrook. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it is Brian. We call Brian, kind of go over what we're thinking, and Brian's like, yeah, that's my story. And, my gosh, what a great role model for kids. Brian, do me a favor. Tell me, tell me about the hero of the story. Well, I don't know if he's a hero. He isn't a oh, character I think in this he's, story. He's an admirable character in the story. Yeah, but he's a guy that you know, similar to myself, and and I don't pretend to be any different than anyone else, right? Everyone has trials and tribulations. Everyone has um, obstacles that you have to overcome, and you have to show resiliency. But this character in this story is a guy that always was told you're not good enough. That was always told you're not big enough, you're not this, and you're not that. And as that character continued to grow, that chip on his shoulder, just because all those people have said you're not this and you're not that, that, that chip continued to grow. And he found a way to be effective with using the things that he was good at mm-hmm. instead of looking at the things that everyone else was saying that he was not good at. And really, when you think about it, there's a lot of stories like that. There's a lot of stories in our world where we have to overcome, that people say you're not this and you're not that and you're never going to be this and that, and that builds something inside of you. And that's what mm-hmm. this book is all about, building that thing, that, that small thing that no one can ever, you know, look at and, and measure. 
building that thing inside of you um, and allowing that at, at some point to come outside of you. And then when it does, it makes the world of difference. I think we've all had a Mr. Whiskerberry <laughs> at, at some at some point in in our lives, okay. <laughs> now, who's the inspiration for Mister Whiskerberry? Well, I'll tell you, there, there was a lot of people that said that you know you, you just can't get it done. I mean, right. there was a lot. I'll tell you a quick story. So when when I was coming out of high school, I went to the Senior Bowl, right? I mean, excuse me, I come out of college, I went to the Senior Bowl, which is basically the best seniors in the country, and we're practicing all week. I'm practicing against guys from, you know, Miami, Virginia Tech, Florida State, all the big schools, Oklahoma. And so we get to the game day, and I'll never forget, we're in the locker room right right about to run out to the field. And Stump Mitchell, who's the running back in the NFL, he's a running back coach for Seattle at the time, he said, listen, Westbrook, I'm just going to let you know right now, we're not going to play you on, you know, uh, on offense. You're just going to play maybe on some third down, and then you're only going to play special teams. And I looked at him and like in shock. Remember, this is the All-Star game. An All-Star game, everybody plays, right? Everyone gets an opportunity. And in this particular All-Star game, the Senior Bowl, it was about showing the scouts, showing the NFL teams that you were good enough to play. And this was huge for me, especially coming from a small school. And that just broke my heart. And, again, that was just someone else saying, nope, you're not big enough, you're not good enough, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, you know, that, again, build that chip on your shoulder. And then that was built on my shoulder um, and that's just you know one of the examples throughout my life that um, people people were saying those types of things, and, and to me, that's the best challenge. Those are the things that you want to overcome, and those are the things that you continue to go out there and work every day uh, to achieve in those goals. And so, it's it's been a special um, opportunity with with going through this process with Leslie, who has been absolutely amazing um, to work with, um, and building something in this book that will make not only myself proud, but also my kids. And that, that's actually just as important. That's really nice. The name of the book is The Mouse Who Played Football, written by Brian Westbrook Sr. and Leslie Menardale. Uh, available Temple Press. I'm told that you can you can pre-order now on Amazon. Yes. It should be out in stores, <laughs> uh, by, I think, by the end of the month. Uh, yep. Last question on the book, and then we'll talk a little football. Leslie, what is the, what is the lesson that you want the six-year-old who reads this book to come away with? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, and this is why I love Brian, because he can say this, you know, he has such a way with words. I I mean, I just love the positive message of the book and the fact that, yes, you can be told you're too small, you can't do that. And, you know, there's these things you have to overcome. And I, I already see it with my kids in playing sports. So I just I love the message of the book so much. Uh, okay, I'm going to switch gears here. And, Brian, I'm going to tell you something that I think you probably already know, is that Ray Dinger, with whom I worked for all those years, mm. told me that watching football tape with Brian Westbrook was like a college class for Ray. For, <laughs> for Ray. So, so that's, that's pretty high praise. Um, what's your thoughts on Jalen Hurts' how he ended last year, what he might be, and I'm sure you've you've heard some of the stories in the last week, how he looked, he didn't do well in a 7-on-7 seven seven in a minicamp. What do you see here? Well, well, first of all, Glenn, you know, I, I have nothing but respect, and, and even deeper than that, love for Ray Dittinger. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I was first starting out, it was Ray, myself, and Brian Baldinger, and every single Monday, every single Monday after the game or day after the game, mm-hmm. we would be over at NFL Films, watching film at 5 o'clock in the morning. 
Mm. There were times where Ray would just come pick me up. He would come downtown and pick me up, and we were right over together. And it was an opportunity for me just to speak to Ray, a genius, a, a, a guy that has followed the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles for so long, has so much wisdom, just for me to just steal knowledge from him. Just everything that he was saying, I'm writing down in my head, like, yep, I'm going to remember that because that's going to be useful. And so those opportunities to be with Baldy and Ray, just watching film and understanding how they see the game and how we share how we all see it um, was super special. And so then, of course, working with him on those shows and all that time was a blessing for me. And so Ray is Ray is a mentor. He is certainly the man. Um, but, you know, when you talk about this Philadelphia Eagles team, we all know Jalen Hurts is going to be the answer. He's going to be the answer to all of the questions. And it's either going to be a good answer or, or it's going to be a bad answer. If this team is going to be successful, it's going to be on Jalen Hurts' shoulders. And I'll, I'll tell you, Glenn, I want to be able to believe that he is going to be able to take the leap that we need. When we look at the last four teams in the, in, in the playoffs, you know, the last 10 years, most of them, I mean, I would say 95% of them have had a quarterback that has the ability to carry a team, that has the ability to say, okay, our running game isn't working, our defense is giving up, giving up points, but I can work this thing out with my arm. We're going to have to find out if Jalen Hurts has that ability. Um, over the last couple of years, we haven't seen that shining through. We've seen his ability to be a great leader, be a great voice in the locker room, be someone that's going to work his butt off. I believe that he does that work hard every single day, and that's part of it. Now he has to show his ability to shine on the field with using his arm, and we just haven't seen enough of that quite yet to, to, to be able to say that he has the ability to carry this football team the way that I think this team is going to be need to need to be carried this season. Hey, Brian, i got to ask you about the current crop of running backs and the way that the coaching staff made adjustments last year to use the run more. Who impresses you? Is there a little Brian Westbrook in, in what you see in Boston Scott, per se, and, <laughs> and just the way that the Eagles used the running game at some point last year when they made some adjustments? Well, the way that Nick Sirianni said, hey, we're going to start the season by going out and trying to use Jalen Hurts in the same way that we would use Phillip Rivers or any other quarterback in that system, Andrew Luck. And that's just not his skill set. And kudos to Nick Sirianni by saying, that's not going to work for us. We're going in a different direction. Most coaches will say, I'm just going to run into this brick wall until the wall falls down. And that just generally doesn't work in the NFL. And so he switched things up. He went to more of a run-centric type of offense. And that offensive line dominated for the most part of the season. It made things very, very easy for Jalen as well as the running backs. And so when I look at the running back, I mean, I look at Miles Sanders and I say, I know he's going to work hard. I know that um, he's going to put – in all the time that needs to be a very good running back. Here's a couple of things that I want to see from Miles Sanders to make him the complete back that I think he has the ability to be. Number one, he has breakaway speed. We've seen it before. Uh, we've seen it a few games, and when he uses it, you're like, wow, I wish we could see this more. So he has to use that speed a lot more. He's going to have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and be confident that his hands are good enough to catch the ball out of the backfield. Miles is super talented when the ball is in his hands, Unfortunately, what we've seen around the league is that you, as a running back at this point, you've got to be able to catch the ball. To be that guy that's going to get $10, $12 million a year, you're going to have to be versatile unless you're, 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 you're Derrick Henry down there in, in Tennessee, right? So unless you're 6'3", 250, you're going to have to be able to catch the ball. Miles has to do a much better job there. The other thing that I think Miles has to continue to work on, and this is the hard part when you're a smaller guy in the NFL, I, I faced it myself, 
is being healthy enough to play. And there are times where, you know, you're 40 or 50 percent and you're coming into Saturday and you're hoping that I can get up to 70 percent on Sunday morning just so that I can go out and play. Miles has to get to that point where he can be more consistent in the amount of games that he can play. And, and if he does, then we talk about the sky is the limit. Now, when you look at the other guys that I think, you know, the coach loves, I've always loved Boston Scott. He's going to contribute in every aspect of the game, special teams in offense, catching the ball out of the backfield. He's going to play third downs. He's one of these guys that don't need any practice reps, and when you put him in, he just goes. That's, that's the type of guy that you need, especially in that backup role. But I also saw Kenny Gainwell get some touches, and it felt like when he was in the game, Nick Sirianni as a play caller just liked it a lot more. He felt like confident, say, okay, we can run the ball, we can throw the ball, we can do all the things we want to do offensively when Kenny Gainwell was in the game. And so I, I certainly would expect him to get some touches both in the run game as well as the pass game. All right, last football question. As you know, Brian, there's been uh, tremendous optimism based off of what they did this offseason, uh, getting in A.J. Brown, the, the draft picks that they had, all of the moves that they've made. Uh, a lot of people around these parts project them to win the division, maybe win a playoff game, maybe do more. Is that optimism justified? I think it is. When you look at this team, upgrades on the defensive line talent, Hassan Raddick, uh, Jordan Davis, upgrade the linebacker talent. You get Kobe Dean in there. You've upgraded the secondary. You get Bradbury from the from the uh, from the Giants. You have the ability. You got Tart back there at safety. So you've upgraded everywhere, every level of your defense. Offensively, receivers got to upgrade. Hopefully, you get a second year of Devontae Smith. That's just an explosive weapon there. Obviously, AJ Brown, one of the most coveted uh, guys that you have coming over. When you talk about assets for a quarterback, what's better than a guy that's tough? that's physical, that can help you in the run game, but also can catch the ball. All you have to do is put it around him, and when he has a ball in his hands, he can turn a five-yard route into a 75-yard touchdown. You have that talent there. Dallas Goddard going into a year where I think he was ready to explode. He did some special things last year. We need to see that more. Offensive line has always been good, no doubt there. Um, and, you know, I think they have a group of running backs that are good enough. Now, when you talk about all the talent on that team, it still comes back to that one position. It still comes back to the quarterback and how well he can play and how consistent he can be. If Jalen Hurts is consistent all season long, this team will win double-digit games easily, right? If he goes up and down and you got to kind of ride the wave of, of his progress and step back and things like that, then now you're talking about you know eight or nine games, I think, for this football team. But if this team plays to his talent, stays relatively healthy, you get your quarterback to help you out there, this is certainly a double-digit win football team, and I would absolutely be talking about playoffs and, and potentially winning a few games while, while in the playoffs. Brian, i got to ask you before we move off the football topic, a guy like you in today's collegiate football atmosphere with conferences becoming mega conferences and the transfer portal, your take, would you have used the transfer portal to get to, get to a bigger program? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love Villanova. I love what I was able to develop there as a person as well as a an athlete. It, well, it, 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 I'll tell you this. It comes down to how much money. I mean, these guys are getting – we have some players that are making – I saw a quarterback making $9 million. I mean, they're making – he's making more money in college than I ever made in the NFL. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. But, you know, I, I, you, know you, you kind of have to feel it out when you're there. I love what, what I was able to achieve, achieve in Villanova and also what I was able to learn there. And now, even as an 
a former athlete, as an alumni of Villanova, now I'm seeing even the bigger ripple effects of the great alumni base that, that Villanova has. And so it's just been a, you know, it's been one of those cases. I think as far as schooling-wise and, 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 and what I was able to do there, I could never replace my time there with going to a different school. All right. Hopefully, in the sequel to the mouse who played football, he doesn't end up at like Ohio State or Alabama. Because <laughs> to be honest, I really like the story the way. Nil and we'll be talking about transfer portal and things like that. Yeah, no, it would kind of take away. By the way, uh, my favorite character in the story is the coach at the end, Big Red, uh, mm-hmm. who is drawn beautifully by your illustrator, Mister Tom. Looks familiar to me. I will say that. He does. He does. Um, there are a lot of Philadelphia things within the book. And, again, Leslie just has done a great job of bringing the story to life, and that's what it's all about. Well, Leslie, I will tell you, I have a six-year-old grandson uh, who I plan to read this to, and I have a two-year-old grandson who I'm going to give it a shot with him as well. And it's, uh, you, guys, <laughs> right. yeah. you guys be- did it. I'm becoming attached to Coach Furbottom. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, the names are pretty good. Um, really great project by you guys. The Mouse Who Played Football, written by Brian Westbrook and Leslie Van Arsdale. Uh, it is available for pre-order now on Amazon. Will soon be all be in stores. I'm, I'm guessing you guys may do a book signing or two along the way? Oh, yes. Okay, good. Well, listen, do me a favor. Yeah. Let, let me know, because I will be more than happy to publicize it. I think it's a great thing. Uh, thank you both for being our guest today, and uh, have a great summer, both of you. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. much. How to translate this book right. into Spanish? It, it is Done. so good. Okay, <laughs> I will volunteer my t- you know my, my time to do it if you like. We'll Perfect. Talk. All, right. All right, guys, be well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, well, that's interesting stuff, Rick. Um, in terms of what he said about the Eagles, which I think we kind of know, which is. Mm-hmm. They look better in so many places. The receiving core is much better. The defense is, but specifically the linebackers are better. They got an interior lineman. The coach is in his second year. You think he's going to get better, but it all is going to come down to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's going to be Hurts. You know, it's going to be Jalen. And as far as that offense is concerned, you you know you heard Brian say it. You know, Sanders his best ability is his availability. They you know they've got mm-hmm. to stay on the field if they if they get deep into a. Uh, you know, in, into that roster of running backs, they they could run into a problem. But if they stay on the field, they've got a very diversified attack. But it's all going to come down to Hurts, Glenn. Yep, we know. it really is. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, but this book, and they, I got it yesterday, and I read it, and I've written some books myself, and I've written some children's stuff. This is a really well-written, nicely illustrated, fun book with a great lesson. So I recommend Two thumbs up for the mouse who played I agree. football. I agree. There you Just go. from glancing at it, I think it's fantastic. All right, let's get Tony in Westchester. Tony, you're on with Ricky Ricardo and Glenn Mack now. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Tony. Uh, yeah, before I get to my, my Phillies point, I, I, when you guys were talking about the Philly sound and the Delphonics, it, um, it, it's very interesting because I, I thought back, and you mentioned the spinners. And if, I want, if I'm not mistaken, weren't the spinners with Motown – before they came to Philadelphia on the Philly Sound, and they didn't have a lot of success. And, you know, the Motown was a juggernaut back in the day. And it's funny because they left there and then became you know, bigger stars with the Philadelphia Sound. Well, yeah, I know who Barry, I defer to on this one. Yeah, Barry Gordy didn't have enough room uh, under the Motown umbrella for all the town. Remember, when Motown took off, everyone tried yeah. to get into Motown, and there wasn't enough, you know, enough room under the tent. So it started spreading around the country. And the after Detroit, 
because that's where Motown was born. Uh, but really, the next great music dynasty after the Motown sound of Detroit was the Philadelphia sound, a little bit more polished. Uh, the Detroit sound, Glenn, you, if anyone knows Detroit, it's uh, you. I, I, uh, I was there, and Motown was great when I was there. Dude, it was great stuff. Say Mary was... Wells mean anything to you? Of course. Right, with the Supremes. <laughs> so I played in a baseball game where she showed up and sang the national anthem just because somebody asked her to. Yeah, I'll very, always remember that. Motown yeah. was very pop-driven. Okay, it was it was very crossover. The Philadelphia sound was more pure rhythm and blues. Yeah, it, I agree. It, yeah, I agree. But but to answer your question, Tony, yes, a lot of those acts uh, that uh, that couldn't fall under the umbrella of Motown simply because it just wasn't enough room at the inn, if you think about it, uh, a lot of it migrated to Philadelphia. Yeah, and I, I also think didn't Barry Gordy focus his efforts on Diana Ross becoming a, more of a movie star back in the seventies? He did. Marvin, he wanted to make Marvin Gaye. Uh, Diana Ross wanted to cross her over to be, you know, to become an actress and and a, and a superstar, which he succeeded which he did. at. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and eventually lifted up roots and uh, and took the whole Motown scene to Los Angeles to Beverly Hills, uh, and and that really opened up the rest of the country to a you know to a lot of talented producers. Uh, for example, the Gambles and Huff of the world. Yep, I got to yeah. run. So give me your uh, Phillies point. All right, Phillies point. The, the team now on paper is very good. Okay, on paper we don't win mm -hmm. games on paper, but it kind of reminds me. And I just wanted you guys' opinion on this. Back in the late 70s, you know, the Phillies were winning the division every year, but they couldn't get over the hump. And then oh. they brought in a guy named Pete Rose, yeah. who was telling Mike Schmidt how good he was, and everybody, Larry Boa, and it, it seemed to put him over the hump. Do you think that's what they need this year and maybe next year? Well, I like think that? if that guy if that guy exists, it's, it's Bryce Harper. I don't know that there's somebody else you're going for. That team in, in the – this is a good team. I mean, this team has real holes. Yeah. You and I talked about it earlier. Center field is, is, is yeah. nothing. I don't think they're that veteran, one veteran away from putting them over. The no, their 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 defense overall is not very good. Um, the pitching is not as deep as you want it to be. So I, I wouldn't compare it to those teams. No. Uh, but, you know, Bryce Harper gets back. Is it going to help? You bet. Sure. 215-592-9494. Coming up. Uh, it's the What We're Watching segment that we do every week. You and I talked about it, Rick, and you are going to recommend a TV show for the masses, and then I will do the same right now. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, 94 WIP. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <laughs> a great job. Were you, were you part of that, or did uh, Kyle do that on his own? No, I, I played a small part in that. There yeah. you go. Nicely yeah, done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we do have to update that one of these days. What we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Windows. Big summer sales event. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at com. I Rick, I'm going to ask you to go first because you are watching a show which I have not yet seen. I'm eager to, and I I looked up last night. It is the number one streaming hit uh, on Amazon Prime. It is. I'm watching the Terminal List, which is based on a a, uh, a novel by Jack Carr, a former Navy SEAL, and the the main character is a guy named James Reese, who is of course a Navy SEAL. A lot of deployment. I don't want to give away everything because mm-hmm. if you haven't seen this, folks, uh, it, it is riveting. Uh, but it, there's an ambush. I'll give you the, the, the basics here. There's an ambush which knocks out basically his entire team. And then everything that comes with it upon his return back to the States, there's a lot of dark forces working and lurking, trying to make his life miserable as he tries to find out exactly what happened and why his entire team was uh, was killed was killed off and then there's a lot of levels to this when he gets if you like drama there's a lot of politics in it uh it, even the folks at amazon prime went through a lot to put this on i, I watched mm-hmm. in a couple of interviews with jack carr who had to really you know jump through hoops to get this to be aired so it's, it's got a tinge of controversy to it but it is riveting i mean chris pratt and this cast do a tremendous job taylor kitsch uh, constance Wu, with some very very talented young actors and actresses involved uh in this show but the terminal list, number one streaming right now. At some point, it's going to go beyond streaming, uh, and I, I try to catch as much of it as I can late at night, and, you know, and, and and catch up on each and every episode. But it is fascinating, and I highly recommend it. What time do you normally go to bed at night? I'm curious. About two, two thirty. Do you I, really? I, yeah, I get, you know, I get because I know you work a game, and you work those Yankee games are long games. Long. And getting out of Yankee Stadium, it's oh, not even God. a game. Oh. 
Of course. Yeah. Of course. I, I'm only eight miles from Yankee Stadium, and it usually takes me about an hour from the garage to, to my apartment building in New Jersey, which is only eight miles. It's usually about an hour, and I drop mm. off the producer at home. So, yeah, I'm one of those guys that when everyone else is already asleep, yep. the light's still on in my living room, and I'm catching up on stuff like the Terminalist. Right, and back, so there was a time on WIP when I worked the 7 to 11 shift, and sometime the 7 to 11 p.m. shift meant working till 1 a.m., right? I would be on after Flyer Sixers games when we had them, so I'm on till 1, and then I'd drive home. And I couldn't fall asleep right away, no, right? I, you just worked a shift. No. You're keyed up. Unfortunately, sometimes you're hungry, and that's not a good idea to be eating at one thirty in the morning. But I, I, I get it. So sitting, laying back and watching the terminal list at one thirty in the morning probably it's riveting. Yeah. yeah, it's not good for the sleep cycle. Right. And I'm one of these guys, Glenn. I can't during baseball season. I can't go to bed until the last game on the West Coast is over. So I don't even get, get out of here. Yeah, really? I don't, I don't even get to the terminal list or whatever it is that I'm watching until the Mariners or the Dodgers or the Giants or whoever that last game on the West Coast, until that game is over and baseball is done, that's when I flip to what I'm watching on TV. Well, you're one of the few guys who benefits from the phantom runner rule then. Oh, it's, it's been They're playing blessed. an 18-inning game out on the West Coast. Ricky's yeah, going 24 no. straight. Yeah, I'm going to have a couple pots of coffee. Absolutely. There you go. All right, I'm going to tell you about a show I'm watching. All right. Uh, I was a fan of the Canadian sitcom Letter Kenny, which was a, it was a mix of, of – of, it was a mix of lowbrow and highbrow humor, if that makes any sense. Um, if it was stupid and puerile, but at the same time, it was very sophisticated. And you can still catch it. It streams. I don't. I forget where it streams now, but it was a successful Canadian series that um, that made its made its way in the United States. If you watched that show, one of the critical characters was a guy named Shorzy, who was the foul-mouthed hooligan um who was voiced by the series creator and star guy named jared kiso he was not my favorite character but he got himself a spin-off show that is a mix of letter kenny and slapshot one of my all-time favorite movies with i would say nods to mystery alaska and goon so if you're somebody who have you seen any of those you've seen slapshot i'm sure slapshot absolutely there you go by the way mystery alaska is also it's a great movie um and goon is pretty good too and this is a mix of all those. Now, I will say you need to be a hockey guy or hockey gal to like Shorzy, the show uh, that focuses on Shorzy, the character, who um, is a washed-up hockey player who moves to Sudbury, Sudbury, excuse me, Ontario, kind of in the middle of nowhere, to uh, mix it up for a struggling, low-level minor league hockey team. Um, it's a quick watch. It's six episodes, 30 minutes apiece, and that's about all you want to invest. Three hours. It's great binge. You got Phil's day off, all-star break, right? We got two days without baseball. You can watch the whole thing and be done with it. Uh, speaking of which, there's actually there is a nod to the movie Major League here. Rick, I assume you like that one. Loved it. Um, Shorty ends up on the worst team in the worst league, and the owner is about to pull the plug, and Shorty promises the owner that if she doesn't disband the team, they'll never lose again. That's kind of the setup. <laughs> anyway, he's a notoriously dirty player. Um, he uh, brags about having sex with rival players' mothers. Uh, he cries during the rendition of O Canada. There's a lot of shtick going on. He, he, when she's going to pull the plug, the owner, he finds the dirtiest, toughest players he can, mostly unemployed bar bouncers, 
and that is your Sudbury Bulldogs. Uh, it's it's puerile, Rick. It is offensive to any thinking woman. I will say my wife lasted about 10 minutes and and was out. Um, but sometimes you want junk food, and Shorzy is worthy junk food. And I will. I, Shorzy will be a part of my late night rotation. Makuza is is asleep anyway. She could care less. Yeah, what I'm I would. Watching. I would guess that Maku, as charming as she has been, the two or three times I've met her, <laughs> would would look at you like you're from Mars if you're watching this show. <laughs> See, you're probably right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's one I'll catch up on. Yeah, you know Mike Rodano, right? Sure, he's the one who recommended it to me. So I want to thank him for that. Um, so if you want to watch a fun, stupid, offensive hockey comedy that will evoke uh, the Broad Street bullies and Slapshot, I recommend Shorzy. And, Rick, one more time for you. The Terminal List with Chris Pratt. There you go. All right. Um, I guess we could take a break here. 215-592-9494. we got other issues I want to bring up, but you know what? Rather than start something, let's take a break. Good time to get in. we got some open lines now because we had our guests and we did this. So if you want to call up, we can get you on in the next segment. 215-592-9494. By the way, uh, Kyle Quinn, uh, tell the people what you have done via social media. Oh, yeah. So I uh, put the picture up of you and Ricky sporting the, uh, sporting the nice hairdos. And uh, they're up on my Twitter, so it's at Kyle underscore Quinn, W-I-P. And um, I believe you retweeted it, and Ricky retweeted it as well, so you can go on either uh, of our three Twitters and you can find it. But it's both Glenn and Ricky at a young age sporting some uh, some, some pretty solid heads of hair there, I must say. Nice right. salad on uh, on that uh, Magnum picture there. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it was about 90 pounds lighter at the time, by, by the, the way. By the way, in that picture, that's the great Luther Vandross. I thought that was, I because you said it's your radio station, guys. Yeah. So I'm looking like anybody recognizes I'm thinking, that guy looks like Luther Vandross. Yeah. It was our station staff at the time, and Luther Vandross is the guy right below me. I'm going to make a comment on which you have to provide no uh, uh, retort on this, Rick. Okay. You look... Less than a hundred percent of sound mind in that picture. I think that's safe to say. Okay. Yes, it was. The and I, I offer no. Apology. You are at a radio station. Yes, and I. It was the eighties. Oh, the eighties. Excuse me. And I offer no apology for it. No, it was the times. It was all pretty good. Anyway, yes. If you and and by the way, Kyle, I don't think you need to write what you did. I had to have my own little commentary. He wrote. Here's what he writes, Rick. It's true. At one point in time, Ricky Riccardi puts your, your Twitter, uh, mm -hmm. and, and Real Glenn Mac now had hair. Excuse the photo quality. These guys are ancient. Ancient? Ancient? I mean, if you look at the photo quality, it's pretty rough. Okay. Well, mine's say, in black and white. My, well, that's, <laughs> Which is, yeah. yeah. That's your, not yours doing is any in, favors, pal. <laughs> right, yours is in sepia tone. Um, allow me to say this. My dad is listening now, right, right now, Kyle. My oh. dad is insulted that you called me ancient. Oh, yeah. well, I'm, I'm sorry, Marv, if it makes yeah, you feel any better. Mom, I, I... Uh, Mama Elsa is in Miami listening, too, and she's <laughs> like, wait a minute, my son's not ancient. Right. I've, uh, I'm sorry to insult your guys' parents. I, I did uh, not mean to do that, but uh, I did mean to insult you guys. That's fine. Uh, by the way, coming up at noon, Anthony Sanfilippo is going to join us. I think a lot of our audience already knows Ant. He's... Um, he does the best job of covering uh, hockey of anybody in this town in terms of breaking down what goes right and what goes wrong with this organization. And these days, there's a lot wrong, so we will cover that with him. Your phone calls, 215-592-9494. Ricky Ricardo. You know, Ricky, I took three years of Spanish. I never learned to roll my L's. 
I have my R's. Excuse me, not my L's. My R's. Cost me, cost me an A three years in a row. Ricardito. Ricardito. You gotta just, it, it's easy. I, I tried, man. Did it in front of a mirror when I was a kid. I just couldn't do it. With a name like yours, you got to be able to roll your L's. Si, sí, senor. There you go. Ricky Ricardo, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. With Ricky Ricardo, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Let's talk to Craig in Wilmington. You're on with Ricky and Glenn. Hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. Hey, boys. How are you? Is Macho Craig a uh, prof? Oh, long Checking time. In now and then. Yeah, long time. <laughs> Man, I, I have been waiting all morning for you to bring up uh, Shorzy. Um, I, I, a friend of mine introduced me to Letterkenny uh, around Christmas, and I binged the whole thing. Uh, it's on Hulu, by the way. You were you were wondering where it's at. It's on Hulu. Oh, I didn't say. Um, I'm sorry. It's on Hulu. Yes, I should have yeah. said that. Shorzy, now as a guy that's played since I was nine years old and, and played up through college and I'm still playing in whatever rec league, more like W-R-E-C-K league I can play in. Yep. Uh, it, it, Jared Kiso gets the game. He loves the game. He's a fan. I know it can be over the top. I know there's some things about it that you just go, oh, yuck. But the hockey parts of it, the camaraderie in the locker room, yes. the sort of hierarchy of you're a good player, you're a scrub. Right. And that last scene, that last, uh, you know, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody yeah, that yeah, just yeah, took the tip I and know. they're going to start. I know what you mean. Yep. I had tears in my eyes. Literally, this thing can get you going from, from laughing hysterically to if you are really a fan of that game, having tears in your eyes and thinking, man, that's everything you play this game for is right there in that scene. Anybody and, who uh, likes hockey should invest these three hours. I'm glad you said it's on Hulu because I forgot to say that. Yeah, um, so, it's six half hour episodes and a lot of fun. Go ahead. Yeah. So here's my. I have a Reese Hoskins question. I read something last week on uh, one of the local writers about trading Reese Hoskins. I always like the guy. I love homegrown talent. I'd rather see six or seven of our starters be guys that we brought in ourselves than just going and buying a roster. And I like the guy, and I think he's a you know when he's when he's hot, he's a bit streaky, but he's a good disciplined batter. Besides just being a, a you know long ball hitter, but he's a defensive liability. Why can't guys get? He's, maybe he's never going to be a Gold Glove first baseman, but you know we had that issue with Ryan Howard. He couldn't make the throw to second. Is it that? I, I, is it the schedule? Is it is it once you get to a certain level, there's too much demands on your time? Is it that hard to improve beyond a certain level defensively when you're a pro ball player? Rick? I'm asking Ooh. not rhetorically, just really no, want to know. I, that. I understand the question. It's a fair question. No, it, fair question. Look, I, I actually think Hoskins's defense, from what I've seen this year, is I'm not going to say vastly improved, but I don't think he's been the albatross that maybe we all thought he was going to be. At the beginning of the season, I, I think he's grown. I think he's grown into some some leadership quality here too. You can see it in his body language on the field. You know, could he be more consistent at the play? He's one of those guys that, when he gets hot, and we've seen it, he can carry a team for a couple of weeks, but then he could disappear for a couple of weeks. But my question is, you know, that's a large percentage of players in today's Major League Baseball. It's a very streaky game. Consistent players throughout the course of 162 games are few and far between. I just think Reese Hoskins, at this point in his career, right now, for what he is giving the Phillies, is probably worth more to this organization than than whatever he's going to bring back from another organization. Ray Dinger used to refer to, uh, used to have a nickname. It was the Corner Butchers, and it referred to Reese Hoskins, 
And it referred to the guy who was involved in this play. 3-2 again, and it's swung on and lined into left center. There's a base hit for Bohm. He's going to turn at first base. Carlson picks it up in the alley. Bohm's trying for two. The throw, he's out by a mile. And Bohm with a head first dive into the bag at second. And I think he hurt himself. Hurt his hand. He's clutching his hand. And Alec Bohm is shaking his head saying it's not good. And the trainer is sprinting out onto the field to take care of Alec. Yes. Well, I guess uh, I guess it turned out better than it could have. Our uh, guest now, Dr. David Gelt, Cooper Bone and Joe. We always like having the Cooper doctors on. Uh, Dr. Gelt, so the story was that he, it ended up being a dislocated left ring finger. Uh, X-rays negative. I think they said he could be available this week. Uh, so I guess could have been a lot worse, Doc. Yeah, uh, first off, Glenn, I also can't roll my R's, too, so I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Is that right? Did it come up yeah. a lot in medical school? <laughs> Way before that, but I just can never okay. do it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the dislocated uh, ring finger, uh, it happens a lot, you know, especially the, the little finger and the ring finger most commonly. Um, the good thing is... Uh, you know, if you get it quickly, you can almost pull traction and the drawer sort of pops right back in. And as long as there's no fracture or a piece that's broken off and just the ligaments that get pulled, um, usually just settle it down. You can tape it a little bit and let the uh, swelling go down. And usually it can go back pretty quickly. Um, so fortunately, I think the extras are negative. So that's why he's a possibility to play this weekend. Doc, there there have been a bunch of pitchers lately. We're at that time of the year, a little bit past the halfway point. But I've, I've looked down a list, and I've seen about eight different pitchers recently that are suffering from, quote-unquote, dead arm syndrome. What is it about a pitcher after about 100 games, or we're closer, we're in about 90 games right now. What exactly is dead arm syndrome, and what, really, what does it take for them to bounce back? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's uh, just really fatigue, uh, you know, we're not supposed to throw that hard. Our bodies just aren't meant to do that. That's why there's only a couple of people in the world that can do that and throw 95 and above. Um, and sometimes over time, it just, just gets some fatigue in that area. The capsule gets, you know, irritated. Um, sometimes the rotator cuff gets strained a little bit and, uh, you just can't get to that. Uh, you know, you lose a, a few miles per hour and, um, in velocity, sometimes accuracy can get irritated. And most important thing is you have to make sure there's no other structural issues. And sometimes you just have to, you bring it back and settle it down. That's why, you know, preseason is so important because you want to really ramp up uh, and make sure you have a good base beforehand so you don't get this issue, you know, midway in the season. So do you advise against uh, when they have those stands at, like, amusement parks and stuff where it's like throw the three balls and see if you can throw <laughs> Like no warm-ups, just go try to hurl yeah, 180 miles an hour? Definitely troublesome for sure, of course. Yeah. But, but everybody the, does it. You have to do it, of course. Did the lack of spring tra- the shortened spring training this year because of the lockout, could that have something to do with why there's so many pitchers that at this stage of the game are suffering from this? Yeah, sure. I mean, anytime you don't have a, uh, a conditioning program beforehand and you're ramping yourself up, that's why it takes so long. You know, you say, oh, we, we started a little bit later and we should be good to go. The pitchers, especially, are the, are the ones that really. Uh, you need the timing to get back up to speed uh, for the regular season. All right, last one for me, because I'm sure you've done this all the time. They said, you know, they didn't know what happened first. They thought he, uh, boom, broke his finger, and this is, he could be out for a long time. Um, yeah. So dislocated, and I know that, that people like you do this with shoulders. I don't know any, any other mm-hmm. extremities you do it with. But basically, 
you have to take the part that's dislocated, tug it out of the socket, and place it back in the socket? Like, what's, what do you actually do? Yeah, I mean, it depends on which body part, obviously. For the for the finger, you basically hold a little traction. I don't want to gross some people out, but you, you hold a little traction, you pull no, no, it out. No, no, I asked you entirely to gross yeah. people out. <laughs> okay. Um, but for the finger, what he would do is the uh, the trainer would uh, or the physician would hold traction, pull it out a little bit so it's sort of past the joint, and then it sort of pops over that little prominence, and then it pops right back in because there's ligaments on each side of the finger that basically hold the finger together in place so it doesn't keep popping in and out so once it goes in and then you pop it over and then it just slides right in you almost hear it like a click uh and then they feel much better and they can move their finger and they're good to go fun times mm. uh dr gell it is always a pleasure to talk to you i hope your summer is going well you too guys have a good one see uh, you doc well. see ya. you ever have that done to you with anything uh my pinky is that when right? I was, when I was nine years old playing basketball in the backyard, my pinky got dislocated, and believe it or not, my mother yanked it back into place. She heard the snap what? of the bones cracking and fainted. I kid you not. Okay, <laughs> and to this day, my pinky never went back in correctly. Oh no! Yeah, so Mama Ricardo it, got it wrong. She pulled. Elsa got it wrong. You know, I have. I'll show you the next time I see you, Glenn. Oh, my okay. right, my right pinky points in the wrong direction. Wait, you like, you've seen Brian Baldinger, right? Yes. You have a you have a Baldinger pinky. I have a Baldinger pinky. You got Florida. Of- Courtesy of my mom, after I guess I must have been eight, nine years old, trying to uh, shoot a layup, and I got the shot blocked. And whoever came, maybe a cousin or a neighbor, blocked the shot, and the hand hit my pinky, dislocated the pinky. I was in severe pain, and my mother yanked it to try to yank it back into place, and it went the other way. So, yeah. Baldinger's got that pinky that looks like the state of Florida. (laughs) Yes, mine looks like Italy, like the boot. (laughs) Uh, By the way, Bohm, up to this injury in his last 15 games, was hitting three fifty two with a nine twenty four OPS and eight RBIs in 15 games. It's going to be tough, right, now that he's been sitting for a week to just uh, assume he comes back today or tomorrow, just – I don't even know if they'll bring him back before the All-Star game, but you hate when a guy, he's in a rhythm and he loses that. Hopefully he can pick it back up. They don't get back to action until Friday. Uh, there's a few teams that play on Thursday. If the Phils don't get back to action, I'd just rest him the rest of the weekend if I were if I were the Phils. Let's get to Chris in Oxford. You're on with Ricky and Glenn. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? Good. How you doing, Chris? I'm living the dream. Uh, I'm calling about the Flyers. Uh-huh. And I am a 50-year fan, which and I've had enough of them. Fletcher needs to go. The signing of D'Angelo indicates to me that Ryan Ellis is not going to be ready for the season. Last year, yeah, the trades he made have all failed, and I'm just done with the failure. Rick, you want to give this a (laughs) post-mortem? Listen, I feel your pain. Uh, What can we say? Uh, Fletcher's moves and, you know, the the statements made publicly this week, we're going to get into this with Andy at the top of the hour. Uh, But if you're a 50-year Flyer fan, you know, hang in there for a couple more years. Let's see what happens, all right? You know, give it, give it. 
I, I hate to be the one to say, be patient. I don't want to do that because you're a 50-year fan. You sound like you know what you're talking about. But at this point, what else do you got to lose? Just keep wearing your orange or black. Um, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to talk over that. that. That's a great transition, Kyle. Anthony Sanfilippo, who covers the Flyers as well as anybody in this town, is going to join us next. We'll see if he, uh, if he sees hope or, oh, I guess that's the last line. Well, maybe uh, he's got a better answer than I did. Yeah, I don't know that there is a better answer. Ricky Ricardo, Glenn. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.